Hello there. Did you know that the Bible has strong instructions for us about new things? God is wanting us to sing a new song. He makes us a new creation. He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. He made a new covenant. He gives us a new commandment to love one another. There are new things. In Isaiah, God says, forget the former things, for I am doing a new thing. But in the midst of that, he wants us to remain rooted and grounded and established in old things. Now, how am I supposed to move into new things, be open to new things and experience new things when I'm rooted and grounded? I've often used this illustration in many of my talks about there being two ditches on either side of the road that God wants us to walk along. And usually Christians make mistakes by overemphasizing one part of the truth and they fall into a ditch on one side of the road or the other. And there is a place in the middle, which is a balance. Can I just say one other thing about balance? is that if you imagine a tightrope walker walking along a very thin wire over a very tall gorge or waterfall or something, and he's trying to balance and he's holding a balance bar or a balance beam in his hands. The reason he does that is because holding a beam helps him to stay balanced. But the Lord gave me a picture many, many years ago. He said to me, there are some people who try to stay balanced but they make the bar, the beam that they're holding as short as possible. In other words, they don't want to go too far to the one truth or too far to the other. And so they live in the middle, but they are not experiencing either. And God said to me personally, he said, Greg, I want you to go as far as you can to the one truth and as far to the other. And if you go to both of those truths to the extent that you can. You will be balanced, but you will have a long balance beam and it will help you to remain more balanced. Some people think that they're being correct and careful by minimizing the two truths, but God says, no, go to both truths. So what are the two truths we're talking about today? New and old. God wants us to be alive to new things, to be experiencing new things every single day. The Lord's mercies are new every morning, it says. And yet he wants us to be rooted and grounded. You say to me, Greg, give me some scriptures. Well, let me first just read you that scripture from Isaiah where he says, I'm doing a new thing. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says, look, look, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the things of old. And yet the two verses before he says that in verse 15, he says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. He says, forget the former things. But right before that, in introducing himself as the Lord, he refers to former things that he's done. So there is a way for us to be open to the new without completely doing away with the old and to be rooted in the old without being blocked off uh, to the new. If we fail in this, friends, it is really important. It is a big 
big deal, a big problem if we fail in this. Why, you say? Because if we're not open to the new things, we are not listening to God. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are supposed to be experiencing new, growing in new, understanding new things, growing in our intimacy with the Lord. All of these great things, there should be newness every single day. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, present tense, continuous. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the rhema, the the current, present, now word of God. We should be hearing every day. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's a, a daily listening faith, hearing every single day. We're supposed to be all the time hearing and growing, but also in Jude, he says, contend for the faith once and for all given. In other words, there is a settled faith. Another way of saying this is that there are two Greek words that are translated word. One is logos, which means God's settled word that is forever in in place and will never change. The other is rhema, which means God's spoken word for me right here, right now. And the two are never in disagreement, but I need both. So how do we get the old and the new? Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Matthew 13 and verse 52. Jesus said to them, Every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So Jesus is talking and there are scribes and there are Pharisees and there are tax collectors. There are all these different groups. He had disciples. He had interested people. He had people who were against him. And then the scribes were the experts in the law, the Old Testament law. But some of them had become believers and followers in Jesus. And Jesus said, every scribe, every person who's an expert in the Old Testament law, who is instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven. Now, this was Jesus's uh, unique message. It says again and again, he came preaching the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe, and then he cast out demons, raised the dead, healed the sick. The kingdom, the coming of a new king and a new kingdom to completely remove the old king, to get rid of him and to bring in a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, was Jesus's message. And he says that there are scribes who are experts in the Old Testament law. They know all the commandments. They know all the prophets. They know the Psalms and the Proverbs. They know the stories and the chronicles. They can tell you what the laws say and the stories say of the Old Testament, and they understand them completely. But he says, now you take that person and you instruct him about the kingdom of heaven, this new king, Jesus coming, this new kingdom, the the will of God as it is in heaven, coming on earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, uh, bringing new life, spiritual life, instead of obeying with outside laws and rules and trying to obey with your physical strength. It's now the laws and rules are written on our hearts and we have a power within us, the power of God's Spirit. He says, if a scribe is instructed in the new things of the kingdom of heaven, it'll be like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. But now, Jesus also said this. Matthew 9 verse 16, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. 
nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. So Jesus was very aware that he was new wine, that he was coming with a new way of seeing God, of interacting with God. He was showing God in full technicolor. The Bible says that he is the brightness of the glory of God, that we saw God in the past before Jesus in shadows and, and it wasn't clear, but suddenly Jesus came and we've seen God the Father in full light. And Jesus comes with this new thing, but he says, there are some people, I'm new wine, he says, but there are some people. So let me just explain this idea of wine and wineskins to you for a moment. In Bible times, they didn't use bottles or jars or cans to store alcohol. And you know that alcohol has to be fermented. So there is yeast and there are sugars in the, in the grape juice. And the yeast interacts with the sugars and it ferments it. It changes it in, from sugar into alcohol. And there is carbon dioxide. There is gas released. Now, in the modern day, that's done in a factory somewhere, in a big vat. And there are all sorts of machines to make sure that the process goes correctly. And there are people monitoring the exact levels of sugar and alcohol and yeast and temperature and checking it correctly. But in these days, what they would do is they would get a skin, a fresh skin of an animal. Let's just say a goat and they would clean the skin. So it was completely clean, but it was still fresh and new, which means it was flexible and it could expand and, and, and change shape. And they would pour the wine into there. They would seal it and they would allow the fermentation process to happen inside the wineskin. And so what started as a wineskin of a certain size would have expanded and changed shape and, and kind of changed the whole way it looked as that fermentation process was happening until a point came when that was fully fermented and coincidentally, the wine skin had now lost its elasticity and it was fixed in a shape and a size. And Jesus said, imagine you get a wine skin from some wine you had last month or last year, and you take that wine skin, you've emptied the wine skin out. Now that wine skin is now hard and solid and no longer flexible and it's a certain size and shape. If you now pour new wine into that and you seal it up again, What's going to happen is as it ferments, the gas is going to be released and it's going to expand. And he said that the wineskins will break, the wine will be spilled and the wineskins are ruined. Now, why was Jesus using this illustration? He was saying to the people of his day, wine, beautiful, refreshing, uh, rejoicing wine. It, it speaks of fellowship and joy and parties and happiness. He says, wine is what I'm bringing. I am the new wine. I am the new life. I am the new refreshing presence of God. But if you are an old wineskin, if you say I am inflexible, I can only see what I used to see. I am completely happy with what I know. I am a size and a shape based on what I've learned in the past and I'm not open to new things. He says you will not receive the new wine. And many of the Pharisees did not receive the new wine. You know, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 30, Jesus says, 
that the Pharisees were not baptized by John the Baptist. And so they also rejected Jesus because they said, we are happy. Now think about the Pharisees. Jesus spoke about them quite a lot. He, he uh, attacked them verbally quite a lot. He said, woe to you Pharisees. You are like whitewashed tombs. You look nice and white and clean on the outside, but inside there's just dead bones. He said that um, you obey on the outside, but in your hearts, there's all sorts of evil going on. And the Pharisees were full of pride. They had a position in society. They had learned and studied and put in years of effort into learning the Old Testament rules. And they were at a position where they said, we are the experts. We know everything about God. If you want to find out about God, come and ask us. And this newcomer who doesn't have a degree in theology, who doesn't have a title, who doesn't have the robes and the status of society, who is he, this, this guy who calls himself new wine? Who is he to come with a new thing and tell us? And so they refused John the Baptist's baptism, where John said, repent and turn back to God, break your hearts. Um, be willing to change. They rejected that. And because they rejected that, they also rejected Jesus. And Jesus says, wineskins, if you're not a new wineskin, you're going to burst. So how do we know whether we are an old wineskin? How do we become a new wineskin? And how do we get over this? Because it is important that we get this right. I'm going to just go through a few points, which I hope will help you. Number one, these are the signs that you may be too rigid. Number one, you're dogmatic. You have an opinion and you're not willing to learn or to change or to be challenged. You say, my opinion is right. Now you say to me, but Greg, the Bible says, Colossians 2 verse 6, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, rooted and established in him and in the faith as you were taught. You say we're supposed to be rooted in what we know. Jude says contend for the faith once for all given. We've got to stick to what is right and fight against the things that are wrong. Yes, but it's possible that we are dogmatic, that we're not willing to change or to learn or to think of new things. And so my first question is, are you are you dogmatic or are you open to the idea that you may have more to learn? Can I just suggest a, a, a shocking possibility? There might be some things about God you don't know. There might be some new things God wants to show you. There may be a deeper relationship with him. There may be new gifts, new callings, new ministries that he wants in your life. There may be new things. And dogmatic is one of the, the signs that we are not willing to change. We are an old wineskin. We, we are fixed and proud, a bit like the, the Pharisees, in what we know. And we're not open to new things. The second thing is that, well, it's kind of similar to the first one, is there's a lack of hunger. When we go to read God's Word, or when we go to prayer, or when we go to a, a service, we are not hungry for what God might say to us in that time. We come in with an idea of, well, they're quite lucky I've come to this meeting. I'm here now. Rather than saying, I'm hungry, I need something of God. Friend, are you hungry? Jesus said that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And it's not just at the beginning 
of our salvation. You know, I quoted that verse from Colossians 2. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. We focus on the rooted and established in the faith as we were taught. But it says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him. How did you receive him? You were desperate. You were open. You were repentant. You were humble. You weren't proud like a a fixed old wineskin. You said, Lord, I need new things. Just as we received him, continue to live in him, but also stay rooted. So being dogmatic, not being hungry. The third is when we judge others and we feel superior to others. You know, the, the older of the two sons in the prodigal son story was proud. He thought he was better than his other brother. And he missed out on going into the party. He missed out on heaven because he thought he had earned um, salvation. He thought he'd earned his father's approval. He said, I've been working all these years. I've been a good worker. I deserve it. And he felt better than his brother. When his brother came back, he was offended that his brother would be received and forgiven. When we feel better than others, it's a, a good sign that we may be an inflexible wineskin. And then the uh, signs that we may be too flexible. So there is another side to this. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, who equip us all for the work of the ministry. And it says that they help us not to be blown around like children, blown by every wind of teaching and every doctrine of deceitful men. There is another extreme where we are too flexible. So the signs of this are that I'm always looking for an exciting new thing. I'm not grounded in what is true. I'm always saying, yes, yes, but what's the latest prophecy? What's the latest thing? And and we go around. I'm not rooted in a place or in truth. I'm always looking for the new thing. I'm not satisfied with what God has already given me. You might say to me, Greg, you're confusing me. You're saying I mustn't be too dogmatic, but now you say that I can be the opposite. What, what's the truth? Friends, it's a balance. We need the, both the, the long balance beam to be able to walk this road correctly. And God can help us to do it. So when we're always looking for the new thing, when we are people or senses focused rather than faith focused, people focused means I'm following a person or a preacher or a spirit fantastic, spectacular miracle worker, or I'm senses focused. Does it feel like God is doing something? What's the feeling? What's the feeling? Rather than being faith focused, where I say the feelings and the people are nice, but they're not what my faith is grounded in. It's grounded in God's word. These are signs that you may be too flexible or blown around by every wind of teaching. Another sign is that I change my viewpoint often. And when I change my viewpoint, I don't repent. Now, let me explain that. Have you ever met a person who believes one thing one day and next week they say, no, I've changed my position. I now believe this and I've changed my way of worship or I've changed my church and they they keep changing. But there's no repentance when they change. You say, Greg, what do you mean by repentance? The word repentance is metanoia in the Greek, and it means to change your mind But the Bible says it comes with not just mind, but will and emotions. There's an emotional component and there's a deciding component. And it's a big deal. I say, I was wrong. 
I'm grieving over my wrongness. I'm telling others I was wrong. I'm making a, a point of change and it's a big deal. It's like a dying to an old point of view. It's a dying to an old way of doing things. And I'm turning the corner and I'm sorry. And there's a grief for my error. People who change all the time and there's no repentance. It's just like, oh, well, I'll change, I'll change. They haven't counted the cost and they are not grounded. It's all about emotions and feelings. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we move forward? How do we stay in the right balance in this thing? Let me mention some old things that we should discard. You say to me, I don't know what are the old things I should hold on to and what are the old things I should discard? The old things we should discard are sin. We should always be willing to discard sin. When God points out sin in our lives, we should be willing to let it go. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says that we should uh, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race set before us. We've got to be willing whenever God points out sin to let it go. These are old things we must let go. Error and wrong thinking. If we have been shown from God's word that something is wrong, or that we've seen a new truth that we hadn't seen before, we must be willing to let go of wrong thinking. Now, let me just say that you've got to be careful that you read God's word properly, that you cross-reference definitions and, and verses in the Bible with the rest of the Bible, because someone can show you a verse and say, this is true. But if it goes completely against another verse, to the point where you have to cross that other verse out of the Bible for this one to be true, then you've missed it. It's not true. The balance is God can give two truths, but they don't go against each other. They work together. I, I've got more to say about that, but I'll say it in another sermon. So sin, error and wrong thinking, shame or pride from past performance. I must be willing to let go of shame from the past. You know, God calls you a new creation. He says that if you confess your sins, he has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. You've got to agree with God and say, God, I'm letting go of shame because you say I am righteous. Similarly, pride in my past performance. I've got to let that go and say it wasn't me. It was the grace of God and everything I am is God and I don't deserve the credit. If you can let go of past shame and past pride from past performance, that's an old thing that we can let go of. Next, bitterness, judgment or offenses. We've got to be willing to let go of people who have hurt us, where we've judged others. Sometimes we think they've done wrong and we don't even know the full story. Sometimes they have done wrong and we need to say, God, you are the judge. I'm not the judge. I bless them. I release them. I forgive them. And God, you deal with them. We've got to be willing to let go of old offenses, bitterness and hurts, sins, errors and wrong thinking, past performance or shame, bitterness and offenses. And then lastly, people, relationships that are hindering us and pulling us back. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. And there are times where we have to separate still be kind, still be respectful, still be nice to people, but say, I'm not going to allow that person to influence or control or, or dominate my feelings or my opinions anymore. Those are the old things. Are you willing to let go of the old, to let the new wine in? These are the new things we should embrace. Obedience to his commands and his promises. When God says something new to you, when you've studied his word, you've seen a truth, 
you've cross-referenced it, you've understood it in its context, and you say, that is true. And I never saw that, or I never understood it, or I never believed it or obeyed it before. Uh, a command or a promise from God. You know, 2 Peter 1 says that God's promises are given to us to partake of the divine nature and escape the lusts and the corruption of the world. When we receive a promise of God, it changes us on the inside. And, and it, it makes such a difference. When we receive a command from the Lord and He says, obey this, and we receive it by faith, it changes us. We should be willing to learn new things and obey. Uh, obviously with repentance for the old, but that's just a sorrow saying, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm choosing to go this way, and I will admit to others that I was wrong. Number two, more intimacy and surrender. These are the new things. You know, there is always more intimacy with God that you can achieve. You've never reached the pinnacle. You've never reached it. Even Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect, would go and pray alone with God regularly. Peter, James, and John saw him the one day on top of the mountain, and he was transfigured, and Moses and Elijah were talking to him. But that wasn't the only time. Jesus went alone to pray often because we need it. We can never say, I have reached that place where I'm, I'm complete. I've finished. Intimacy, surrender, closeness to God, just allowing him to talk to us. Um, a bit like Abraham, where God says, shall I destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And Abraham has a conversation with God. And he says, surely if there's 50 people, if there's 40 good people, and, and God loves that intimacy with us, we can grow in intimacy. These are the new things we should be embracing. Obedience to his truth and his promises. Um, intimacy and surrender. And then lastly, new knowledge and treasures from his word. Can I say something confidently to you? You don't know everything about God's word. There are new things to learn. If we can remain rooted and grounded in what we know, but remain open to God's new things, not ditch truth, we stick with truth, but we're always saying, God, I'm open, I'm hungry, I'm desperate, I want more of you, more intimacy. One last picture. You can be like an oak grounded and planted. Psalm 1 says they're like trees planted by streams of living water. You can be like a, a planted tree in the truth of God's word, but you can also be like a sheep being led by the shepherd. Psalm 23, where he leads you in new paths of righteousness to green pastures, still waters. He's restoring your soul. There is always more to learn. Lord Jesus, help us to be ready to grow, to be new wineskins, to receive your new wine while remaining grounded in your truth. And I thank you, Lord, that you help us in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. At Leading Lights Network, we are here to help you grow as a person as well as a disciple. On our website, we have a basics page to help you get started in your relationship with Jesus, as well as developing and sharing your faith with others. We also have the Stories Project, where we tell the Bible truths in story form. Many people learn and communicate best through storytelling, and the Bible is full of stories. Why don't you gather a few friends, tell them a Bible story, ask a few of our suggested questions, and see what God does.